tenacious faith. We are going to be thinking this evening about the tenacious faith we've just read about in 2 Kings chapter 4. I wonder what the word tenacious conjures up in your mind. Perhaps you think about Theresa May sticking to her red lines. Perhaps you think of a pit bull with its jaws around something, never letting go. Perhaps if you're a historian, you might think about the 300 Spartan soldiers at the Battle of Thermopylae, faced with the marauding mass of Persians and standing there and fighting to the death. Tenacity is a virtue and not letting go and not giving up. And tenacious faith is a faith that won't give up and won't let go in the face of extreme adversity. Tenacious faith believes against the evidence. Tenacious faith holds on to Jesus when all hope seems to have gone. Tenacious faith prays, prays against the odds, to use uh, Rod Williams's phrase, defies the odds. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we have two examples of tenacious faith. The faith of the Shunammite woman who, who was faced with the death of her son, and the faith of Elijah in believing that God could raise that boy from the dead. Now, I'm a great fan of gravity. Not the film starring Sandra Bullock, but the sort that Isaac Newton discovered when the apple fell on his head. Just think for a moment. You're on a bike hurtling down a hill, the sun on your back, the wind in your hair. <laughs> I'm imagining that bit. <laughs> Gravity is working upon you, and it's fantastic. Gravity is working upon you right now, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting where you are. It literally keeps our feet on the ground. It literally makes the world go round. Gravity is fantastic. It's everywhere. But I reckon you've not even given gravity a thought today. It's everywhere, but you don't think about it. You don't think about it until something goes wrong, until the branch falls off the tree and bangs you on the head, until the engines on your plane stop going. Then you think about gravity. Well, the woman from Shunem wasn't one of those who ignored the presence of God. Not like gravity, God is a presence. God is omnipresent. He is out of sight, and for some he is out of mind, but not from this lady from Shunem. God was real, God was present. And she would follow God tenaciously. Where did it all start? Right at the beginning, it was an act of hospitality. She invited Elisha into her home for a meal. And then as Elisha traveled to and fro through her village, she became a fan. She became attracted to this man of God and attracted to the God he represented. So she provided a room in her house. She was observant of the needs of the man of God. And she acted, she acted in faith to fulfill those needs. And what does Hebrews 11 say about faith? It said, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
the reward for her faithful act was the miraculous birth of a son. I wonder if she knew Psalm 37 verse 4. David penned these about a hundred years before her. And he wrote in Psalm 37, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God rewards faith. How wonderful. So Elisha, the prophet of God, is provided with bed and breakfast. And in return, this barren woman becomes a mother. Wouldn't that be a blissful ending to a wonderful fairy tale? Well, it would, except that tragedy strikes. The child is struck down in the fields. It sounds maybe like sunstroke. And he's carried to his mum. There on the lap is her reward, the reward for her faithfulness. And she holds this boy as the life seeps from him. The boy dies in her arms. At the Willow Tree Centre, where Belinda and I and others are involved, we deal with mums and dads who've lost children, lost babies. And it's one of the most profound forms of grief. The hope, the expectation of a new life and a new family is crushed and snatched away. Had they never had that child, they wouldn't be in the distraught state they are. And so it was for this Shunammite woman. The beautiful paradigm of her life had been smashed. How cruel, how tragic, how heartbreaking. Her joy is now turned to utter dejection. And in just a moment, her world had fallen to pieces. Now where is God? Now where is this great reward of faith? What has happened to the desire of her heart? How often we see this happen, how often we experience it for ourselves, life changed in a heartbeat. And how quickly we can turn to recriminations. If only Elijah hadn't come this way, if only we hadn't given him a room, if only he hadn't given us false hope, we wouldn't be grieving now. How easy it would be to blame Elisha, how easy it would be to blame God, but no. In her distress, rather than blaming them, she goes to them. Her life is shaken, but her faith clings on. On a recent uh, Sunday evening, Belinda and I were in a Welsh-speaking Baptist chapel in West Wales. And the seating of the chapel was rather unusual. The centre part, all the pews were facing forward, just as you are. But two-thirds of the church were side pews, and they were facing straight in. They weren't facing forward, they were facing inwards. And as the evening progressed, as the service progressed, one of the hymns we sang was, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Expect you know it. And we sang it as a round. One part of the congregation singing the verse, the other part simultaneously singing the refrain. And I have to say that the side we were on did a little bit better than the other side. Although they were doing great, we were doing fantastically. 
And it was only a little bit later that I realised we've got eight members of a male voice choir on our side. But it's what we were singing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek God first. No matter what, in joy, in sorrow, in fear, in confusion, seek God first. And that's what the Shunammite woman did. In the midst of untold tragedy, she sought God first. It was the instinct of faith that led her there. She didn't stop to share all this with her husband. She didn't even share it with Elisha's servant. She went straight to Elisha to seek God first. That was tenacious faith. Her journey to Elisha, well, from Shunem to Mount Carmel was about 30 miles. And I reckon it will probably take her a couple of days to get there. And the same on the way back. A four or five day return journey. And all that time, her son lying dead on the couch in Elisha's room. Why bother to go at all? Why not just stay home and grieve? In her heart, she knew that whether in joy or in tragedy, she had to go to God. And I want us to notice how respectful yet tenacious her faith is. When she goes to tell her husband, her husband could well have put her off, but she wasn't for being put off. Gehazi intercepted her, but she wasn't for being intercepted. And Elisha could well have stayed put, but she wasn't for going home without him. At every obstacle, she is respectfully tenacious. And persistence and determination are often the ingredients which are mixed with faith. And we see that very combination in Elisha himself. Elisha we find in his room with the dead boy. Elisha prayed and he laid himself out on the body of this boy. But nothing happened. Elisha seemingly then gets up and paces up and down in the room. What do we think is happening here? Is Elisha failing in his prayers? Has God set him up to fail? All sorts of questions might have been going through his mind at this point. Why is nothing happening? What do I do next? Maybe he remembered that his predecessor, Elijah, did the very same thing with the son for the widow at Zarephath. And he laid himself out on the boy and the boy came to life. Maybe that was in the back of Elisha's mind. Had Elijah got faith and was Elisha's faith insufficient? There are moments when we don't know the answers. But it was not the strength of Elisha's faith, but the strength of the one in whom Elisha had faith that was telling. Elisha put his doubts aside if he had any. He reaffirmed his faith in God and he went and laid on the boy once more. Faith that won't let go. Tenacious faith. Two people. Two people who are straining every sinew of the faith they've been given. And their faith is rewarded. Life returns to this little corpse. I'm amazed at Elisha's understatement. 
when he simply says to the woman, take your son. Three words, that's it. The boy is restored. The boy is alive. The boy is reunited with his mum. And her joy is complete. So what lessons do we learn and what does this teach us? Are we expected to, are we to expect a miracle out of every tragedy? The story here is not a story of how to elicit a miracle, but to show the reward for faith. The reward in this case was the return of her son. But God doesn't promise to us to resurrect the dead back to physical life, but he does promise to reward faith. So why is this woman given her son back? Well, to answer that, we need to go further into two kings, into the book of two kings. Because in essence, Elisha comes again to this lady and tells her of a seven-year famine that is coming to the land and tells her to take her son and go south to the land of the Philistines. There's no mention made of her husband, who we already know is old, so presumably he is now dead. And after seven years, she comes back home and returns after the famine. But her lands have been taken. She's homeless. And we read that she has to go and plead to, uh, before the king to get those lands returned. But eventually she has her home, her lands, and now she has a son to look after her in her old age. She will be cared for just as she cared for that elderly prophet Elisha all those years before. God was watching over. God was providing for her in ways she couldn't have seen or understood. God was rewarding those who earnestly sought him. The woman saw a reward for her tenacious faith. So when tested, how does our faith come into play? Is it God that we seek first? And how do we seek him? Are we assured that he has our best interests at heart? That behind the scenes he is working his purposes out, even though it doesn't look like it at the moment? Often the very first impulse we get is the impulse of the Holy Spirit. When we stop and when we think and when we share with others, different voices fill our heads. But often the first voice we hear is God the Holy Spirit. And that's what the woman heard and notice how she acted. When her husband asks her why she's going away, she simply says this, it will be well. It will be well. That's the impulse of the Holy Spirit confirming to her that all will be well. That's not knowledge for, on her part of what's going to happen. That's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit in her heart. And it's the same phrase she uses when she first arrives. And Gehazi says to her, is everything okay? And she uses that same phrase, it is well. Now, partly that was to sidestep Gehazi and get straight to Elisha. But she's not lying. Her faith and her confidence is in God. And therefore, she is confident that all will be well. Invisibly, God is working behind the scenes, just as gravity 
right now is working on our bodies. So God calls us to be sensitive to his presence and his leading, confident that he will reward those who seek him. Two of the first ever missionaries to the land of Botswana were Robert and Mary Moffat. And for 10 years, they labored faithfully in what was then called Betuana land. And in those 10 years, they had not one single ray of encouragement, not one single convert. And finally, the directors of the mission who sent them began to question the wisdom of them continuing to do their work. However, the thought of leaving their post there in Botswana absolutely devastated this couple. They felt sure that God was going to honour the work that they were doing and that they would see people turn to Christ. And they went back to Botswana. The years passed. Still nothing. And then one day, a friend in England sent words to the Moffats and said that she wanted to send them a gift to encourage them and asked what they would like. And trusting that in time the Lord would bless them, Mary Moffat said, send us a communion set. I'm sure it will soon be needed. God honored that woman's faith. The Holy Spirit moved through that village and soon there were six converts. Six local people formed the very first church there in Betuana land. And the communion set that was sent from England got delayed in the post and arrived late, but it arrived the very day before the first ever communion service was due to be held in Botswana. Tenacious faith. Faith rewarded. Well, may our prayer tonight be that God gives us a tenacious faith, a faith that holds on and is not discouraged, a faith that believes God no matter what, a faith that seeks him first and always. For his name's sake. Amen. We're going to move now into a time of prayer and come to our intercession. So let's pray together, shall we?